Today's reading is from 1 John, um, chapter 4, uh, which is on page 1227 and starting at verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is the word of the Lord. Now Paul is going to come and speak to us and we're continuing our series looking at the character of God and this week we're looking at God is love. It works. Good morning. I've eschewed the gear around the head and all that sort of thing. So I'm going to be uh, uh, sort of fixed here otherwise you won't be able to hear me. Um, I hope you're well. That was a question. Uh, are you well? Yeah? It looks like uh, normal service is resumed for the British summer outside. Um, but we've had a good year. Um, so, what I'd like to do is um, give you an overview, first of all, of um, the ground I'm going to cover. Um, so, uh, the other day, James Colley and I went off for a small adventure in Walcott Street. I'll talk to you a little bit about that. Um, then going to uh, talk about the background of the reading that we've heard um, and think a bit about what that reading actually says to us. Uh, going to return to Walcott Street then for a few moments and uh, think about perhaps one or two of the lessons learnt. And uh, then really, I want to ask this question, God is love? Question mark, is God love? How do we know that? We're going to think about challenges that that might bring to us and uh, finally, we're going to uh, think about stuff that we might do, action that perhaps we should consider as a consequence of all of this. All right, so ready to go? Here we go. Um, let's talk about Walcott Street. Um, for those of you that don't know, Walcott Street is just down there. There's a picture of it, just in case you haven't been there. Uh, it's not very far away. Uh, it's the sort of uh, 
the hub, really, of um, independent shops, I suppose, in, in Bath. Uh, an artisan quarter, I think, was the phrase they came up with. Um, and um, James and I thought a week or so ago that it would be a good idea to do on-the-ground research uh, as to what it is that people, the man and the woman on the street, think about God and what they think about love. So um, we uh, set off armed with a camera, a video camera, and, and, and uh, we headed off, sort of set up camp halfway down Walcott Street and uh, thought to ourselves, okay, what do we do now? I don't know how, how nervous James was feeling. I was feeling pretty nervous about it. Um, and um, we then set about uh, politely accosting people in the street. Uh, and, and our idea was really to try and get some uh, sort of cross-section of views. Um, well, actually, um, let me tell you, for a start, uh, no one actually was willing to go on camera. I, th I don't think we've got this right. You know, I, James and I said to ourselves afterwards that uh, maybe it must be so much easier if you work for the BBC and you're able to say, um, Paul Bruce, the BBC News, would you mind making a comment for our camera? And everyone seems to leap at the opportunity, or so it seems, but no one leapt at our particular opportunity at all. Um, and the other thing that was mildly, um, we didn't, didn't occur to us until we were sort of doing it, was that there was a couple of chaps looking slightly suspicious with a camera halfway down Walcott Street, and James said, well, do you know, it may not be a very good idea if we start asking young ladies for comment and to go on camera because all sorts of uh, implications might be made by that. So we then steered away from young ladies. And, uh, and anyway, uh, let me tell you just briefly about the people that we did um, talk to, uh, some of the people, because uh, it was really interesting. Um, we, we talked to a middle-aged couple um, who, I don't know, late middle age, I guess. Uh, they were both former students in Bath, uh, now lived away, live away, and they came into town really to spend a day or two um, looking around and enjoying being where they had been. Um, and they were having a lovely time until they met us. <laughs> Actually, it was very interesting and the, the sort of conversation warmed up somewhat. Um, and uh, he, in particular, was quite uncomfortable talking about, talking about God. And he said so. He said he loves the buildings, likes, likes people to look after each other. Um, but he, you know, then talked about his perception that the church uh, can come across as being rather uh, full of hypocrisy and so on and so forth. And uh, we got on to the various abuse scandals which, uh, which there have been over the years, um, particularly in some branches of the wider church. We talked to a, uh, a big guy. He must have been up here somewhere, covered in tattoos, impressively so, actually. Um, and, um, and he was really 
quite dismisses of the establishment. We decided one way into this question was, was to ask people whether or not they'd seen the royal wedding and what they thought about the sermon, um, which was on the subject, the power of love. We thought this would be quite, quite a good way in. Um, and he was um, really scathing on the whole subject, the establishment. Um, another couple we talked to turned out to be Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, who, <laughs> I know, I thought, well, you know, what comes around goes around, really. <laughs> it's your turn. <laughs> Um, and they, they were visiting from Chester, and uh, I think they'd been persuaded that the version of life generally accepted in society was not really right, wasn't really true. They felt that the Jehovah's Witness version of Scripture makes a lot more sense to them. We had a very interesting talk about that. Um, I talked to an old lady who was a, a lapsed Catholic, but of course she said, yes, you're, I'm lapsed. But she said, you never really stop being a Catholic. You're always a Catholic. Um, and uh, we talked to a, a couple of very interesting Republican ladies. I say Republican in the sense that they were, they, they, I said, well, did you see the royal wedding? Absolutely not. We're Republicans. So, sorry I asked. <laughs> but again, it, again, interesting to talk to them. And there was... As I th thought about all this and prayed about it, I think we learned a few, a few things which I'd, I'd like to come back to. Um, but let's go on to the background of the reading. This is my next slide. That's the cue. And um, just briefly, I think it's always helpful to um, have a, a clear idea about what it is that you're reading um, in terms of the context. So. Um, 1 John, uh, it's a letter, a series of letters, actually, 1, 2, and 3 John, but 1 John is the first of them. Um, by tradition, uh, written by John, uh, who was James's younger brother, the disciple, who was particularly um, within Jesus' affections by tradition. He was one of the youngest disciples. Um, and, um, and, and this book is really written to a Christian community, a general Christian community that clearly John is familiar with. He knows them really well, and they know him really well, and their particular problem is this, that within that group of Christians, there had risen up um, some false teaching, really, about the person of Jesus. And this had caused real division to the extent that actually members of that particular community had stopped meeting with others. You know, they'd split. And so he was writing, really, to that community. So that's the context of this letter. And, and that really, I think, makes a bit more sense of what it is that we then read. So let's look now at what the reading actually says. Um, so at this point, if you don't have it open, you could always find it again in your Bibles. I can't remember the page number, but it's at the back somewhere. Um, 1 John. Um, what does he actually say? Well, firstly, dear friends, let us love one another. So he says, very clearly, 
that Christians, in particular, uh, should love one another. He then says that that's because love is the hallmark of someone who knows God. In other words, if someone knows God, they will show love because, because they know God. Then what he says is, not showing love indicates not knowing God. So no one who truly knows God could fail to love, which is really kind of making the point by showing the opposite. And that's an important point, I think, for us as Christians. That if we're not showing love, that actually shows that, you know, we're not in God at that particular moment. So how do we know that God loves us? Well, it's a question that John asks. And the answer to that is we know God loves us because he sent his son Jesus who came so that we can live. John 3.16, by tradition, the gospel written by the same person, um, points this out. God so loved the world that he sent his only son. That's how much he loved the world. People can't see God, but they can see him through us, through Christians' loving. Verse 12, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. No one has ever seen God, but they see God through his people. So the reading really is an important uh, reminder to us and it's really saying very simply this, Christians should love one another. It's a very important thing to do. It's also a hallmark. Love is a hallmark of someone who knows God because God is love. It's our title for today. People can't see God, but they can see him through us, through his church, through Christians, loving each other and loving the world. That's what the reading says. So keep that open. Um, and we're going to explore that a little bit more. What do we learn in Walcott Street? Next slide. There it is. What do we learn? Well, I think firstly, as I reflected upon this, it, it's clear that there is a gulf, a chasm, a massive disconnect between the way in which the world sees things and the way in which Christians see things. It's so far apart. And it was really clear, I felt, just talking to people. There was a tremendous amount of, I don't know, sincerity, I think, in what some people were saying. Um, but found it very difficult indeed to connect to and relate to the idea that God is love. And that's really salutary and I've thought about that a lot. 
It is true to say, though, that the message of love itself does connect. People appreciate the need for love in the world, for people to show love for each other. People do understand the importance of sacrifice and the value of sacrifice. Looking at the church, though, however, many do, do see hypocrisy, division, and self-interest. That, I think, is one thing that came across very clearly uh, from our on-the-ground research in Walcott Street. And, you know, I think some people see God not as love, but almost indifferent or ineffective. Why doesn't he do something? I mean, does he not care? Or can't he do something? Why doesn't he do something to sort this world out? Is the kind of feeling you get. So he's either uncaring or unable to engage with the world in which we live. This is the view people have. Well, I'm here today to tell you that actually God is neither indifferent nor ineffective. Actually, he cares massively for this world and he does engage with it every moment of every day. How does he do it? He does it through his people. Through Christians through us. He engaged directly, this is from the reading, he engaged directly with this world and he did it by becoming a man, a historical person. His name was Jesus. And Jesus taught about radical ways of living and being. He did amazing things, including healing people. You know, finally, Jesus was sold out by the religious establishment and he was executed under false charges of undermining the Roman state. However, being not just a man but also God, an incredible thing happened. He broke through death, rising to live again and so doing enabled his followers to know God for themselves personally. And since then, God has made himself known to the world, not only through one person, Jesus, but by his power, working through hundreds, thousands, and now millions of people. So don't ever accept the idea that God is neither effective nor caring because he is effective that's what he did that's what God is doing and that is how God has shown his love to the world that's what 1 John tells us so this is the great news of the Christian faith it's not a set of rules it's actually a relationship So, here's a challenge. Um, friends, do people see God through our love for one another? If not, do we 
fully appreciate God's love for us? How is our relationship with God the Father through Jesus, his Son, powered by his Spirit within us? So do God, does God get seen through what we do? So there's a challenge for those of us that believe. Perhaps you're sitting here today, you're a skeptic. You know, deep down, you would really like to believe, but you just can't bring yourself to do it. Well, I would urge you to look at the historic figure of Jesus. Look at, look at what Jesus said, look at what he did, and look at it openly and ask yourself, is God really uncaring? Is he really indifferent? Because actually, Jesus is the evidence that he isn't. What I've got now is I've got, I've got a little bit of video for you. Um, on the basis you've probably had enough of me by now. It's about three or four minutes. And this is actually based around um, a, a prayer, an ancient prayer um, by St. Teresa. Christ has no body but yours, no hands, no feet on earth but yours. Let's have a look at this. And uh, I've got one or two reflections on that. And then we'll finish off with some action points.
I wonder what you made of that. Um, I find the, uh, the, the concept quite moving and very challenging, personally. Um, but you know, much as I enjoy being out on the moorland, striding along on my own a fabulous day, uh, walking, um, and the beauty of God's creation, and the fact of the matter is, is that um, our engagement with the world is not a question of uh, going to beautiful places and being on our own. It's actually engaging. It's working with people. It's being in dirty, unpretty parts of the world, as well as the beautiful parts of the world. And um, that's perhaps a thought to hold with you um, as you reflect on that. So, um, I've got four action points for you. Um, something to take away. And uh, pleasingly, I've managed to make L-O-V-E out of this. It took me a lot of figuring. But, um, but I think this is, this is perhaps something for us all to um, think, think about and, and to act upon as we get through the next, uh, next few weeks. First of all, how can we show God's love in the world? Live your faith. Live your faith. Live your faith. Secondly, others come first. This is how God loves us. He does things for us. And uh, thirdly, I struggled slightly with the V, but I came up with verity, which is a, a lovely old-fashioned word with, which really means sincerity. Be, be sincere, be true, be transparent in what you do. Practice verity. And finally, do be an encourager to those around you. And I think in those ways we can we can show God's love. God is love. We are his church. It's our job to show his love in the world. Uh, shall we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you for your love for this world. Thank you for your Son you sent. Thank you for your Spirit who fills us and empowers us. We pray for your blessing on us, your church, as we seek to be your hands, your feet, your eyes in this world.